All right. I'm ready to talk about Jill Stein. Okay. Our funeral. Cameron, we've made a big mistake. It's that show. The show where we make big mistakes. Uh, oh, I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. It's Think Outside the Box Set Palette Cleanser. Palette Cleanser. Otherwise known as Oops All Mistakes. <laughs> uh, we're in between seasons right now. Last season, season 14, it was Billy Joel. We are trying to form a bridge between two divided generations. The millennials this divided land. And the boomers. And I think we succeeded. I think we did. I think all intergenerational problems are solved forever now. Yeah. And ultimately, we ended that season on uh, Billy Joel calling out boomers for uh, their toxic nostalgia. <laughs> Which and he is literally said, ironic. things weren't that great back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic and, uh, considering he, how much trafficking he did in nostalgia himself yeah i mean he i think he redeemed himself at the end like a last minute redemption arc like and Boromir i thought it was something. a really good season yeah and uh next season we're gonna go right into uh m- millennial culture and either talk about tete or gaga mm-hmm. and because there's definitely said, a survey up and it's live right now <laughs> and everyone can vote in it <laughs> I said last week that I would put a survey up, and I forgot hmm. to. Okay. okay. Uh, so, there is a survey up now, and I think we should do one more palate cleanser. And sure. I'll just say I'll close the survey at the end of, uh, I don't know, we'll give it a an end date for sure uh, <laughs> at, during the next episode. <laughs> but it'll be sometime date. in enough time for people listening to the next episode and hearing about it then to finally make a decision and then for us to, uh, you know, prep for the next season. Yeah. 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 But, uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, oh boy, we, we all, we all but promised to talk about Jill Stein's, uh, folk rock album. (laughs) Yeah, we did do that. Didn't we? And now we kind of have to, don't we? I just spilled a bunch of coffee on my face. Oh, that's and good. My shirt. It's your well, body trying to reject. Episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Here it comes. Okay. Woo! So. Oh yeah, topless. Can't hear you right now. I hope you're doing some entertaining commentary. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hey. It's good to see uh, you again. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, Jill Stein. This is dumb bullshit. I think. Um, yeah, she has four albums. She has four albums with her her band, which is called Somebody's Sister, which is a uh, I do not know what level they intend that to operate on. Right, I I'm familiar with the the concept of somebody's daughter. Like if you're acting in a lewd or crass way towards uh, a woman. Um, presumably you're calling out a man, you would say, hey, that's somebody's daughter, meaning, um, why are you doing that? That's someone, that's another man's property, and you should respect his mm-hmm. property. Exactly. <laughs> it basically is the patriarchal kind of um, subtext of that. 
but it, it's sort of a call for decency. And is that what this band is kind I of mean, doing? Who's? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, dude. It's really Who's hard to, to say. say. They have four albums. This is their last one. Mm-hmm. This is the from 1999. It is called Circuits to the Sun, which is also the title of a song. And it has a pretty bad um, cover. Oh, it's very... Um, is it Astro Lounge that it looks exactly like? It looks exactly like Astro Lounge, except it has a much more 90s typeface. Um, and it's it's got a cube in the sky. And the cube has a... I think that's a solar panel on one side. Some silicone... Or sorry, silicon, like computer pcb on the other side and then the famous photo of earth from the moon the big blue dot um on the third side that you can see and then there's also like Uh, jupiter and uranus like kind of just all up in that sky for some reason now i would isn't there isn't this font used in one of the alanis morissette albums oh i'm sure it's like the most 90s thing i've ever seen i'm it was in on every album cover it's very it's very 90s Mm-hmm. And this is a very turn of the millennia album. Yes, yes, it is. There's um, there's a song that sounds like bad Alanis karaoke. So for those of you who don't know who Jill Stein is, she oh, ran for president with the, the the Green Party. Yes, in 2016 and 2012. Oh yeah, I forgot. And uh, 2012. Apparently, she's been a fixture in Massachusetts politics since about 2000. About. Like shortly after the, when this album came out. Yeah. And, uh, fa- famously, uh, what, what's his name? John Oliver, uh, made fun of Jill Stein, uh, and said that she was an ineffective politician and made fun of, I believe this album, uh, in one of his last week tonight episodes. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. That. So we're just sort of hopping on the bandwagon, you know, four years that. later. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she seems a bit of, well, in theory, I could agree with some of her politics, but she seems like kind of a kook also. Like she, she seems to fall prey very much to the the primitive hypothesis, which is to say if something is quote unquote natural or old or paleo or primitive or what have you, whatever the buzzword is, that it is therefore better or good than like more modern stuff. Well, I mean, she's talking about circuits to the sun, though, in this album and how cool solar panels are. And that's not primitive. That's true. But she she's like against GMOs and she's very doubtful of vaccines. Um, Oh, cool. She's got kind of (laughs) that vibe going on. She's not she's not like actually an anti-vaxxer, but she has expressed enough doubt that people have accused her of like uh, anti-vax dog whistles. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jill Stein. I, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be the president, and like mm. who who would be a hypothetically a good president. I think I mentioned this last time, but like, you know, one of her stances, I think, in 2016, was that she wanted to dismantle the U.S. military down to the National Guard, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't necessarily want to retread a bunch of that ground, but basically my thought at the time of reading that was like, well, hypothetically, if I'm just voting for the policies that I like in a vacuum that I support, that's a policy that I support. Um, Mm -hmm. Most countries don't have, uh, 
anywhere near the military uh, that the U.S. does. Um, and they're fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. But, you know, but then also they're, they're not existing in a vacuum either. And uh, there are like different, you know, political um, theories about how things, you know, how, you know, different hegemons sort of like hold things in tension and that allows other people to not have to be in conflict and things like that. I'm not supporting the way things are necessarily Mm -hmm. as much as trying to explain like um, all that is to say. I, when I read that, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to vote for her. And even though that's what I want to be true, mm-hmm. it's not the reality that we're in. And ultimately, a president has to be a representative of the people that they're serving. And uh, un- unfortunately, and I always forget this, uh, most Americans l- like <laughs> the troops. Uh, yeah <laughs> and they like like our foreign policy and they like us um Hoorah. being so military militarily like powerful yep. like on uh that is one of the very few like um nonpartisan issues mm-hmm. <laughs> in american politics like most people like the the military to uh, some extent yeah and i always forget and then i t- talk to people and then i'm just like i I don't even understand. Yeah. Like, people that I respect are just like, yeah, support the troops, you know? Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just really baffling to me. Um, but uh, yeah, so like, it, it's really interesting when we're talking about, you know, who I've been thinking about it a lot because uh, I have a fair amount of like white commie boy friends mm-hmm. who are planning on not voting. I mean, uh, this November, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think for most people in most States, it really doesn't matter. Like statistically, you know, because of the electoral college, right. You know, there's no chance that Oregon or Washington is going to go red. So if you just pile another vote on for Biden, like whatever, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I don't think, uh, I mean, that's, that's definitely not by accident. Like, uh, we have many anti-democratic, um, small D democratic, like against the will of the people that is, uh, measures in place in our political system and the electoral college is a big one. Uh, for more info on that, check out scene on radio season four, the land that never has been yet. I think it's what it's called. It's probably their worst season title. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, isn't that like a direct translation of like a, a native phrase or, or place name or something? Maybe, but uh, you know, some things sound better in their original language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. It's not. I'm just saying, it's not as good as seeing white or yeah. men. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not as good as men. Few things are, Cameron. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> right, guys. Uh, boy, do I have a podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you're you're absolutely right. Like that, I mean, that podcast, like uh, that season, talks all about how, by design, America is undemocratic because the founding fathers didn't want things to be too democratic because they didn't trust uh, the plebes. Essentially, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah the uh, the the lumpen proletariat, I think, is is a phrase that like just 
like hoved back into my uh, memory. I was like, where have I heard that before? <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I oh, that's actually I a specific ab- term that doesn't mean what I think it means. <laughs> it doesn't mean like lumpy. It means it's like a German word, I guess. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they're all up together in their in in their squalor. Um, yeah. So I anyway. I bring all that up not to just talk about the issues, but I think about the kind of people that Jill Stein attracts. Mm-hmm. And there are these people, essentially there are these people that think that they can just opt out. Um, and I think that there's this level of privilege mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, I, I'm going, I'm going to vote for this person who says they're going to make things the way that I want them to be. And ultimately, um, (laughs) ultimately, uh, America has to answer for a lot of stuff, which means um, doing a lot of doing a lot of really hard uh, amoral or immoral work in order to finish that work up. Um, and I don't know what that means or what it ha- what has to happen or if if the country just needs to implode somehow. I don't know. But like ultimately, you you know, if you're voting for the president, you're voting for a job that shouldn't exist in the first place. And, it you know, I think a lot of I think the most sensible, you know, kind of platform it, like or a way to engage with it is to yeah use it sort of as a technology that's at your disposal and like a damage control. Um, and you know, Mm. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, clearly the office of the president has accrued way too much power, um, in the world, the, uh, the years following world war two, um, the rise of the imperial presidency, I think some political scholars have called it, um, when it's designed to, be Congress to have like the most power of any branch of government. Like people say they're co-equal, but they're not designed to be, they're designed to have most of the power be with Congress. Right. Um, and Congress is fucked right now because of gerrymandering and our shitty system that awards two States per Senator, regardless of how many people don't live in them. So you're Um, saying you sort of have a certain amount of, faith in the position of the of the presidency as it's intended to be um i think it would be better for sure i mean like it's it's absurd that the president like literally presides over the department of justice and can support somebody like bill barr (laughs) who can like do his rotten little bidding um yeah I i think you know uh having the president be more of a figurehead and like a rallying point is much better than having him be like an actual figure with much power, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Well, regardless, I, the, you listening to this album. Yeah. Just like made me think about this, this certain kind of class of person that honestly makes up a lot of, of, uh, Willamette Valley mm-hmm. in, in, in Oregon, uh, the Valley that Portland is in as well as, um, other sort of liberal havens uh, that have been described recently in the news by uh, black people. They push us out and replace us with black lives matter signs, um, <laughs> which I've heard a lot of white people say about Portland. Um, and it has a whole other kind of weight uh, when I hear uh, black people describe it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, yeah, this kind of per, there, there's it's a sort of a a kind of puritanicalism, you know, like uh, that's that's sort of all about like I want it my way or else I'm going to opt out, and they're kind of ha- constantly holding things hostage, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, uh, I was thinking about that while we were listening to this album um, <laughs> quite yeah. a bit. I, I mean, I do see what you're talking about. I think, I don't know, progressives and people on the left get a lot of shit for like their quote-unquote purity tests or holding things hostage. But historically, and I think in our times, it's not the far left that is the ones that like bring the fascists to power. It's the centrists who like allow the fascists to rise to power. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. It's I th- <laughs> I just sort of perceive there to be pockets of the far left that are non-intersectional mm. and that are uh that don't know how to cooperate with other people. Um There's definitely that would consider that. themselves to be left. Um and individuals that maybe aren't that maybe fancy themselves to be far left, um, that that aren't don't necessarily like earn their credentials. Yeah, uh, it's like, I mean, Yates was talking about it way back in the day in his poem, "The Second Coming." Um, he says, "The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity." I think about those lines a lot. How like the the very things that make uh, progressive people, I think, worth uh, having solidarity with, which is like their principle, their principles, yeah. and their their uh, like focus on doing what is right, and um, those kinds of those those like adherence to those um, principles can really uh, divide people sometimes, like when they disagree on an issue or when they are accusing people who are you know ninety eight percent the same to them politically of like being crypto fascist or something because they don't, you know, they have a different opinion about like, uh, divestment or whatever, you know? So, right. And, but then, whereas like the far right are extremely, um, united in the sense that they just all get together and vote. And I, I mean, it's, it's the common saying like, uh, re- Democrats need to fall in love, but Republicans fall in line. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yep. Um, well, anyway, so this has been um, two dinguses who definitely understand lots about politics and theory. Uh, explain the whole world to you, the listener. <laughs> now, don't you appreciate that? Don't you like that? You're welcome. Take this. Ha! <laughs> um, yeah, so Jill Stein, a bit of a kook. Uh, has some worrying views on uh, Putin also. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, what are those worrying uh, views? Well, I don't know anything she's about She's met with him a few times, and every time someone like brings up to her, like, so you met with Putin, and you said like some good things about him. Didn't you know he's like kind of a dictator and has engaged in all these human rights abuses? She does the same thing Donald Trump does, and she's like, well, you think America's not engaged in civil rights abuses? And it's like, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. To, it's not necessarily equivalent. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's a difference more of degree than of kind. 
But, uh, I mean, as far as I know, like, we're not just, I mean, Donald Trump is not just out here, like, poisoning his political opponents. Like, like Biden hasn't <laughs> succumbed to polonium tea as of yet. I mean, we'll see. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see. But, like, Alexei Navalny is, like, seems like he's in pretty rough shape at the moment. Shit. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I mean, and there's also like here to say it could be worse, folks. Yeah, it could be worse. Um, there's also just like weird conspiracy theories about Jill Stein being like a Russian plant or a Russian like uh, asset or whatever, and I feel like that's probably a bit overblown. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely controversies among leftist circles about how uh, concerned to be about Russia and. Um, how mainstream Democrats might be using Russia as like a distraction from uh, criticism and their own failures in choosing candidates, that kind of thing <laughs> as like kind of a shield for establishment Democrat Democrats to say like, it wasn't our fault. We lost in 2016 and picked a terrible candidate. It was the right. Russians. <laughs> what did it? <laughs> oh yeah, shit. So I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit happening in various corners of various movements and somewhere in there is jill stein somewhere in there is jill stein with her own weirdness just rocking out just totally occasionally rapping yes she is uh (laughs) my name is jill i'm a white chick rapper (laughs) she does a little bit of that well, she's not the um, only one too. Her her uh, musical partner, what's his name, Ken Seltzer, uh, also does a little bit of rap. A rap. Now, I for some reason assumed that these people were romantic partners. I is that normative? Is that bad? Uh, <laughs> I just sort of assumed that they were like a thing. Really, I don't see any mention of his name on her Wikipedia page. Oh. She's married to a guy named Richard Rohrer. Not the like theologian, I philosopher. Doubt I doubt it. Okay, that would be really weird. <laughs> that would be weird. Uh, so yeah, you are being normative, and you're canceled now. So I'm gonna have to do this show on my own from now on. I'm gonna hang up Skype real quick. Uh, that's for the best. Oh, he actually hung up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really wonder how this is gonna play. On the Nathan, recording. take me back. How do you like that commitment to the bit? It's is, is beautiful. Um, okay. You can cut that out if you want, I guess. No, let, let me do my best uh, non-apology for being canceled. Oh, good, yeah. I'm sorry if I offended you or if anyone was offended by the things that I said. I didn't want to make anyone feel misrepresented mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, I... Uh, I have always looked out for people <laughs> who want to be in bands and um, and not not be partners and have uh, long term musical collaborations that are non romantic and not assume that uh, that they're together. Uh, there's a long record of that, and I think my record stands. And this is obviously <laughs> just a fluke, but also I am sorry. If anyone felt some kind of way about it, <laughs> it's a very sincerely, good. <laughs> Cameron Dewitt. It's a very good non-apology. Thank you. <laughs> I always love the conditional in those non-apologies. I'm sorry if you were if, offended. If you got your feelings hurt. 
Okay. Uh, so, would it be safe to say that we're putting off talking about this album because it's pretty boring? Oh, I mean, definitely, most definitely. Right, yeah, I mean, let's, consciously. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Chance of a Lifetime. Oh boy! Um, instead of playing the general sound sample of this, I'm gonna just play the beginning. Uh, where the guy starts singing and my heart immediately sank into my toes and I just wanted to text Cameron and be like, I give up uh, on life and uh, I'm just going to stay in bed for the rest of my life and never be on a podcast or listen to music ever again. So here it is. Birds in the sky, That's pretty rough. Now, I would like you to break down what specifically you dislike about it. Because I will say that everything that they're doing seems intentional and like they're succeeding at what they're trying to do for the most part. I would say 90% of the time, I think they're singing the way that they hear themselves. Really? And I think, you think I, so? I, I, I think so. You think he intends to sound that way? Yeah. To me, I mean, to me, it sounded like the entire album was kind of them failing <laughs> to sing good. <laughs> now, so on a technical level, I would say, again, 90% of the, of the pitches are, are correct. They, they are singing in tune. Mm-hmm. And when they slide from a pitch or to a pitch... I think they're doing it on purpose and landing and starting where they intend to. Mm-hmm. And rhythmically, most of the time, I think they're doing what they're doing on purpose. <laughs> mm, I see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just sounded really amateurish to me. His tone is just like, sounds extremely amateur and like, I, I, I mean, it's difficult to like talk about it without sounding pejorative for... I, other people but i was like weirdly so i was weirdly interested in it hmm. the 90s are a time full of like kind of strange singers um mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's not my preferred singing voice but when i heard it i thought okay all like associations aside i mean i well that's the thing i don't really know what to compare it to and i don't think that it is inherently bad hmm do you want to play that play, play it again Let okay. it, now that we've gone back and forth let's let's listen to this singing you see what i mean like he's singing in tune yeah I don't care what he's singing about. Well, yeah. Birds in the sky, fly high. It sort of seems... <laughs> I get real Tim and Eric vibes from this. I'm just going to say. Would, yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit like Casey and his brother. Um, I'll he said, put a that's, link. Yeah, he sounds exactly like Casey and his brother. Yeah, but it's like if Casey and his brother were singing... Here's what it is. It's, it's a little bit like Josh Groban performing Casey and his brother. Not up to that level of skill, though. Not like, up to that the, level of the skill, tone, but it's somewhere in between. The tone is is very uh, Casey, even if the like you know uh, yeah, pitches might the, be 
It's better. the timbre of Casey and the and the pitch control of Josh Groban. Maybe not quite there. Not quite as good, yeah. but yeah. Let yeah. me see if I can, um, so that everyone knows what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can uh, get Casey and his brother running in a way that can be heard and recorded. Oh, wonderful. Um, so Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job is, uh, it was a, an adult swim live action, non-cartoon Welcome to Uncle Muscle's show. Classics. Um, adult swim is the late night cartoon network, uh, uh, slate of shows like venture brothers. They not would anymore. do reruns of family guy. Not anymore. It just got canceled. I didn't even, I didn't even know it was still going. Yeah. I'd be really interested to watch that show after the, popularity of the explosion of like superhero and comic book genres in the movies and stuff. Cause it'd be interesting to see what they have to say. Also has that show stood the test of time. They used to be pretty edge lordy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wonder if they continued to be so in the age of, uh, in, uh, heightened political correctness. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, Tim and Eric awesome show. Great job. It, it was essentially for those of you who don't know, is essentially a public access spoof TV show, mm-hmm. variety show. So this is, uh, yeah, this is um, Tim Heidecker singing as Casey, and uh, uh, I'm blanking on it, uh, Eric Wareheim. Uh, it's his there brother it dancing. Yeah, so here we go. I want to go on a horse and buggy ride. I want to go on a horse and buggy ride. Horse and buggy ride, horse and buggy ride, horse and buggy ride, my horse and buggy ride. Ah. <laughs> I wanna go on a horse and buggy ride. Also, very riding on my horse, riding on my horse. Okay, it's, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't actually able to hear any of that. Hopefully, oh, it really? shows up in in oh. the track. Whoopsie. Yeah. I'll put a note to check just to make sure it did. Okay. I think it did. Okay, great. Um, which song did you do? Uh, Horse and Buggy Ride. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there is a, there is an episode where Josh Groban comes on and uh, sings uh, Best Of, uh, uh, of all of those songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite things. It's actually really charming. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so we should probably move on. I, I think there are some musically interesting things The the album starts off with a 10 beat phrase, um, which is peculiar in like pop music or in folk music. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is like a folk rock heavy air quotes, um, genre of songwriting and arrangement. So let's, yeah, let's check that out. Okay. Yeah, it it goes a little bit longer or a little bit shorter depending on how you count it than than you think it might. Um, Do you think they might be influenced by like Fish or like some of those more uh, jam bandy type bands that play with form a little bit more than like some other folk? Rock? I think so. I I got some big time um, Dave Matthews Band vibes mm-hmm. from from the songwriting mm-hmm. in this, uh, and I guess Fish would be right there with it. Um, yeah, uh, it would have been nice to hear more of that kind of thing Mm. in this album Mm -hmm. because mostly it was extremely boring. 
so another thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I was surprised that this album sounded as okay sonically as it did. Hmm. Um, you know, late nineties, the, you know, like age of digital recording is like, you know, people (laughs) like, I don't know. It sounded decently produced and mixed and mastered. Not great, but there were little moments that were like, there it is. There's that kind of shitty sound I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And if you want to play this sound sample that says zoom effects pedal. Okay. Because it sounds like a Zoom multi-effects pedal. Mm, nice. Gone the days when love was free And everything new was there for me And the story was always glory Living hard Okay, that singing is bad. Oh, that singing Living is hard. awful. <laughs> that is a bad moment. Ugh. Ugh. Oh. Uh, also, lyrics don't really exist uh, written down on the internet as far as I can tell for most of these songs and I couldn't be bothered to synopsize. Oh, there's five. I only found three. Really? There's five of them on the genius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Should we move on? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess we have to do dance and wild. Uh, This is the the song. So nice. They played it twice on the album. (laughs) They did. They really did. Tell me again how good this singing is and how successful they are and are achieving everything they're setting out to do. Tell me more about that, Cameron. Um, yeah, once again, uh, I think they are accomplishing it at a decent level. I, I just don't really appreciate what they're doing. Mm. And it would be, be difficult to make a, a case for, I think, what, that what they're doing is um, objectively bad. I mean, that's yeah. pretty hard to make in like any kind of art. Well, but. you know, you could you could say like you know the the pit like pitch is objective, and you can make a case that in this case, you know, like in in the case of a particular singer, them not singing in key in certain songs takes away from the song, like uh, you know. But then other singers singing out of out of tune you know some people would say well that's great you know like bob dylan <laughs> or whatever so mm-hmm. i don't know uh dancing wild so this is like about a a woman who i'm guessing is sort of like a stand-in i guess maybe for jill stein or something. <laughs> that's what i'm what i feel when i listen to it mm-hmm. and it, it, it's about a woman who's kind of an iconoclast who's trying to make trying to make it in our oppressive society mm-hmm. um and it, it talks a little bit about it seems like it's like a little skept, skeptical of activism which i thought was weird do you want to play that sound sample mm-hmm
Really exploring the space in between the notes. <laughs> Just playing in the space. <laughs> Come play with me. Uh, I don't think this is skeptical of activism, honestly. Well, it's like, what does it say? It, it says she's... Uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong lyrics. Here's Dancing Wild. Okay. Yeah. Um, long on her knees for the one... Uh, born long on her knees for the ones who bleed uh, that's a bad lyric uh planting little <laughs> seeds for justice and peace and here is here it is and soon she gets a thrill tending social ills got to have a cause it's one of her flaws yeah i don't read that as being necessarily skeptical of activism um <clears throat> if anything i it's I, sort of saying that it's about her it's more about her than it is about the things that she's advocating for um I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I I read it as like pretty gently saying that like she's so good that like she can't even not have a cause. Like she has to have a cause. That's how like committed she is. Gotcha. And that's one of her. Oh, flaws. it's it's like it's like a job uh, mm-hmm. interview where you're saying like they're like well what is one of your weaknesses and you say that i care too much yeah. that i work too exactly. hard that i always have to have a cause <laughs> have you ever said that at a job interview no. something like that no i think i did at least once and it was definitely true <laughs> i work too hard <laughs> i'm a workaholic <laughs> do you have workaholic support groups at this company Uh, so, yeah, uh, this song's pretty, I don't know, it's pretty irritating. Mm. And, and I was genuinely irritated by the way that she sings in this. Um, do you have anything else to say about Dancing Wild? Uh, it's just, it's very bad. Um, verse three in particular, uh, has an extended metaphor that sucks. Um, (laughs) she knows in advance what gets her in a trance. It's part of her research to find the long-lost church. She lingers in the groove, praying at the pews. Something is revealed. In all, she's healed. Now she'll go for miles, rolling in the aisles like a child dancing wild. So, Like a child dancing wild. Like child dancing wild. You, know. you didn't like all that religious imagery? Uh, I would say no. <laughs> it's not very well executed either. Uh, yeah, um, okay, so I don't want to talk about Guess. Uh, the Jeans, uh, company? Yeah, or the song. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, before we move on, do you want to just play the sound sample I have of the Dancing Wild reprise, track 11? Oh, it's just the same song. Yes. Uh, and it's the sound sample that says, I think Jill Stein is trying to get me hard. Ooh, I don't, I don't see that. What? Are you sure that is on on the uh, the drive? It is there. You just mislabeled it as Streets of Boston. What? Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs> you ding-dong. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Ooh, I 
some parcel tongue in there. Mm -hmm. There it is. <laughs> Ooh, so breathy. Everyone knows that breathy is sexy. Breathy and grunty. So yeah. sexy. Uh, okay, should we move on to Dirty Little Secrets? I'll yes. keep you my dirty little secret. Yes, we absolutely should move on to that, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it's just her imagination. She says it all comes back at you and me. I think that chorus kind of slaps. It's actually not bad. There are, there are a few uh, moments like that that are like, eh, okay. Yeah, it, when when the vocals are actually all stacked up, I think it sounds, I think it sometimes sounds good in the, in this album mm -hmm. um, because they're decent at harmonizing. They sometimes do some interesting chord extensions, um, and it you know it feels throwbacky, but in a way that I occasionally like in moments. Uh, the verse is obvious. I mean, you just heard a little bit of the lead up to the chorus, and it's fucking awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. Um, is what, what? What is the song about, Nathan? I don't know. It's it's hard to say what is a metaphor for what, um, because one reading could be environmental toxins as a metaphor for like the toxins that build up in a person. Or it could be the other way around. Or perhaps neither. Maybe they're just the same thing. Yeah, there's one verse about, like, mother's milk and what will happen to the babies and then poison porn from smokestacks. Poison pouring, I believe, not poison porn. <gasps> I thought it said poison porn. <laughs> <laughs> you know how smokestacks are always belching out, like, Hustler and Playboy? I thought it... I thought it was a weird. <laughs> I thought it was a, a weird metaphor. Yeah, that would be weird. Okay, reeling well. and a rockin', dirty little toxin. She won't sit there watching like a doll. You know how dolls famously watch things. You know she came of age before the days of rage. She knows how to find a small sign of hope. I think this is pretty uh, autobiographical. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. We should we should like start to wrapping this up because we took up so much time with our like incisive political commentary. <laughs> so incisive, um, and so interesting, and definitely not boring, and definitely won't lose us listeners. <laughs> okay, I think we should talk about just my place in streets of Boston, just really briefly. Okay, um, sure. My place. Uh, there are no lyrics for it on the genius. Wonder at the dark clouds approaching Hear all our voices mutter and cry Watch yourself turning into a piece of burden And your eyes up in a sky This one is actually decently catchy. I like. I disliked it less than some of the others. Yeah, uh, this is a song about how it's it's a man trying to trying to get another person to come back to his place, uh, and 
just let go mm. and just uh, let whatever happens to you happen to you from me. <laughs> like yeah, that kind of song. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Great. It's, it, it's like a weirdly coercive, like um, it sort of made me think of like, I I've heard of this thing, like in sort of activist circles where people just have a lot of kind of like toxic sexual relationships because they're doing really stressful work and then they sort of seek refuge in each other. And then they end up just sort of uh, creating this feedback loop of um, Mm. (laughs) all the toxic stuff from their activism happening in their own relationship and and it just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few friends that are going through some things like that right now. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, in um, areas of conflict in the States. Uh, And yeah, uh, my heart goes out to them, uh, but I don't like it being explicitly celebrated in this song. (laughs) Um, Here's where... (laughs) Do you want to play the sound sample that says, just to clarify, this will end in sex? (laughs) Yes. Looking for the sky, looking low and high, you'll find it. Okay. I'm gonna Lady, love stay you. awake. Make no mistake. I'm gonna love you. <laughs> really threatening. You don't even get to say no. He's gonna do yeah. it. Uh, there is some rap. There is some bar spitting in this. Mm. Do you want, do you want to play that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. He's just weighing her, uh, wearing her, wearing her down. <laughs> Even you, he's a big star. Is that what he's saying? Sounds like that's what he's saying. Uh, as bad as that was, it still flows better than we didn't start the fire. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really saying something. Um, and then, uh, oh, I, it looks like I misspelled this, uh, but there's this thing that like shitty guitarists do where they just like, for the novelty of it, just like really hang out on harmonics. Um, the harmonics being like the bell tones, uh, where you like touch the string above certain points, uh, above certain frets and you get this like shimmering sound. Um, and just really hacky guitarists will just like, I don't know, just hang out there. Uh, and it, I don't, I think it's like often in poor taste to play harmonics, a lot of the time Mm -hmm. unless you just really gently sprinkle them in and in this one he's just playing straight up rhythm guitar over the harmonics Mm. and it's really fucking annoying (laughs) to my sensibilities yeah love it Mm -hmm. it's a little low in the mix hopefully it shows up in the final tasty uh, guitar playing He's a, mm-hmm. he's a virtuoso. Ooh, maybe yeah, maybe clearly. maybe that brings me to. Uh, let's see. I hope I have those tabs open still. Um, 
there. You wait, you there's tabs. No, like, not not those ultimateguitar.com. <laughs> Browser tabs. Here's a review of Circus to the Sun from uh, 2007, um, which is if you're counting eight years after this album came out. Uh, Robert Francos wrote, um, "Why? My question is, why can't mainstream music sound more like this?" While definitely pop music, it's such a higher quality than just about anything one can hear on the top radio stations. Um, the songs Oof. are catchy without being screechy. Clarkson, melodically all over the map, Aguilera, are just pretending to be on key. Spears. Plus, Ken and Jill's voices are so well-suited for the sound that in a more fair world, it would be somebody's sister on the charts making listenable pop. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? Listenable pop. It's listenable pop. It sounds like it's a dog whistle for for something that I'm not aware of. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's definitely white. Something something white going on here. Yeah, something doesn't seem white, or it does seem white. It seems a little too white. It um, rubs me the white way. <laughs> there is on ourstage.com. There is a um, also a, a very interesting and fun uh, review of this album. Uh, Ken Seltzer and Jill Stein. Traverse the musical map with infectious melodies, unstoppable rhythms, and inspired visions. They soothe the spirit, rock the house, and melt into bluesy grooves while pondering dilemmas of the day, from the personal to global and back. They might as well have said uh, they talk about the issues while keeping it funky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, oh shit! It's and this this album is a transcendent romp. They say from holy rollers going solar <laughs> to democracy campaigners in search of the American dream and crusaders dancing wild. Hey, do you guys realize what uh, what crusaders actually uh, means? What it refers to? It's not not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just so many choice quotes from this. Stein and Seltzer are a magical combination. Stein's riveting voice evokes the ethereal Jane Siberia and Edie Brickell with the vibrancy of Cheryl Crow. Her conga plane combines her own style with rhythms from the world over. Do you agree with that, Cameron? (laughs) Uh, You know what? Um, I think the conga playing is fine in this album (laughs) i've heard a lot worse from white hippies Mm -hmm. it's still completely uninteresting Mm -hmm. um and completely white uh but it's fine but it's definitely not rhythms from the world over it's just an instrument from a different culture yes exactly cultures yeah all right (sighs) well you want to go to streets of fucking boston the the song that made me so fucking mad yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm just going to hand over the, <laughs> the baton I'm about to, to go off on one of my patented rants. Better watch out, go everybody. Off. Go off. Gets up in the morning, drinks half a pot of tea, puts on a long white skirt, socks up to her knees, throws a poncho in her pack, got her hair back long and soft, helmet strapped on her head, and she blasts off. 
But no, she's not riding a rocket. She's riding a bicycle. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Verse two, havoc in the streets of Boston, biking to a better day. She doesn't mind the rain or the shine. Going to get there sometime. She don't mind the traffic. She don't mind the noise. Blazing a trail, wheel and rail, riding because it's her kind of joy. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. So I definitely don't want to uh, come down on discouraging women from cycling um especially in urban areas um but uh i mean verse one i guess is fine it's like offensive to me aesthetically for some reason because i guess because like one thing is it doesn't have any pronouns which always bugs me like i i can't tell you how many poems i read that were just completely like devoid of pronouns or or subjects to these verbs uh gets up in the morning drinks half a pot of tea puts on a long white skirt it doesn't say gotcha. she gets up in the morning. Um, so for some reason that just like makes me furious. Um, uh, there, there's a great meme going around uh, in like queer uh, in queer groups uh, on like, you know, Facebook and Instagram uh, that just says, what are my preferred pronouns? I have no pronouns. Do not refer to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is... It's, it's hard to say what exactly rubs me the wrong way so much about this song. I think it's because it's so celebratory of biking in Boston when biking in Boston is a nightmare and the city is explicitly yeah. designed to uh, be extremely hostile to pedestrians and cyclists. And Would you say that she's a crusader for biking in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, she's not because this is all about like her experience. Like, uh, she doesn't talk about like advocacy or, you know, trying to make the city better for biking. Um, this is just like a very small story about how she's biking through Boston, uh, sweat on her forehead, fumes in her eyes, taillights go vroom. I don't, I don't recall taillights ever making noises, but you know, that's just me. Uh, they'll go drifting by, pushing through the traffic, steady as she goes, bumper to bumper, passing them by, lemmings in their rows. That's the other thing that I think it makes me mad about this song, is it's so self-righteous. It is so fucking self-satisfied. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm biking in Boston. I'm better than those lemmings driving their cars. Also, like, in Boston, they're not lemmings. They're, f- like, fierce libertarians <laughs> in they're, Boston. Uh, they're fucking Mad Max-style road warriors. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'll run you off the road. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very... Um, I mean, this is, like, a kind of... I feel like this, this, fortunately, has become an antiquated idea, but, like the sort of moralism of like personal responsibility for solving um, climate change or solving environmental issues is like, yeah, this person's got it right. So at the end of the day, no matter what happens to the environment, um, uh, you know, she can be as self-righteous as she wants. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because she rode her bike in Boston. Yes, she did. Um, I wonder, do you have a, yeah, she has, let's listen to the rap because that's where the, the real like punchline of the song comes in. I don't know if you have the entire thing, but, uh, let's listen to her, uh, rapping. I think I got the whole thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that this is where she gets super self-righteous. Biking for the nation of the future generation. Thinking it's transportation, but to her it's a salvation. Um, driven, riding through the street in a sensation, driven by the vision of the coming liberation. Silver wheels are shining, and you see her from afar. Pull up in your something. Here comes one less car. Oh, it's so self-righteous. It's completely ignoring the, like, the ways that uh, American cities are designed to force people to drive, especially like lower income people who have been pushed to the margins of the city or much further out. And then don't yes. like to areas that are not served by public transit, um, which is true in Boston, even though Boston has better public transit than many cities. Um, yeah. So it's just, I don't know. I, I, I fully support biking. I love biking. Um, but this is just like so smarmy. It's so fucking like self-righteous and is like so pleased with herself and is like lovingly describing like her outfit that she puts on and that she puts a poncho in her pack and she blasts off and, and then, how soft her hair is how soft her hair yeah literally and how she <laughs> goes really by weird. all the lemmings driving their cars yeah it's weird that she's like in my experience of of biking in a city uh for a commute um my hair is not soft. It is greasy and like, you know, and then other people who are riding in the elements, their hair will get all frizzy and like hard and weird. And, uh, yeah, you don't have like nice hair when you're biking. No. That's like one of the, that's a reason that, that a lot of people don't bike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't believe you. I'm calling you calling you out on your bullshit. Jill Stein. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah, it's annoying. That's all I want to talk about. Let's, yeah. yeah, put this to bed. This was obviously a great idea to talk about this album. Um, we really, um, took the, uh, what, what's the aphorism? <laughs> uh, took the piss out of Jill Stein. I, is, I don't know if that's an aphorism so much as just a phrase that people use. God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a piss two. in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I was trying to say. <laughs> hmm. It's got a lot of questionable implications, I think. <laughs> Episode title. Yeah. <laughs> you've been really okay, like. Really uh, just... You've been really. Uh, <laughs> pushing the envelope on like (laughs) what we can get away with as far as episode titles are yeah a lot of piss titles lots of piss all right let's wrap it up yeah that's enough for now it's enough for now are we what do we know we're doing next week we're doing another palate cleanser we had talked about doing bernie's album but yeah i don't know if it's worth doing that let's i don't know um we'll find something we'll find something maybe there's another bruno album that we can listen to i think there are two yeah okay maybe we'll do that i also would I'd be kind of down for spreading out all of Dave Matthews albums between seasons because they're just so fucking funny. And I would just be kind of down for like slowly picking away at them. I don't think I could handle doing them all in one season, but uh, you know, I just, I want some new stuff for a soundboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way uh, to populate the soundboard. Yeah. Either option. We'll figure something out. Yeah. 
In the meantime, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Uh, go on our Discord. The link will be in the show notes. If you want to write us review on iTunes, that would be really good. Uh, you can jam that star button, uh, type some words into the words box. Uh, if you want to support us directly, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can throw money at us directly by going to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. You can also just uh, spread the show to people. Just tell them about uh, this dumb show that thought that it would be a good idea to talk about Jill Stein's album and then spent like 30 minutes talking about uh, their ideas about the political system of this country. Hey. hey. Uh, you can also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool. And it is and is about acoustic musics. Oh, yeah. And if you have a Facebook uh, account or know someone who does, uh, I'm playing Quarantine Happy Hour Ooh. this Sunday, September 13th at 5.30 p.m. Which time uh, Pacific, specifically. And um, you have to join the group, but it's a great, it's a daily concert series. And it's uh, a lot of trad musicians or trad adjacent uh, musicians. And yeah, I'll be playing some banjo tunes. And uh also probably having a very casual back and forth with people who are in the chat. So go check that out. Hell yeah. I will see if I don't. All right. <laughs> people who have partners with Facebooks who can't personally stomach Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like me. Um, yeah. Well, until next week with TBA, I've been Nathan Hunt and breathy and grunty is sexy. Uh, I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to go melt into bluesy grooves. <laughs> like I do. <laughs> like everyone no, must do. Oh, I do. <laughs> Everyone's got to. Because the concept of something being bluesy, uh, you know, is totally uh, a good concept and a good way to describe something and not uh, one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially when applied to white people. The, and not yeah. only white people, the, but like the whitest. The whitest of uh, white hippies from the Berkshires. <laughs>